When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. It's, what, half past ten? The World Championship has just finished for another year. And uh, I'm here with Michael McMullen, and we've got a bit to talk about. Um... We've just been sat with a naked Mark Williams at the mm. press conference, who is also the world champion. I don't know which of those is more bizarre, really. The whole thing. <laughs> I mean, where do you go with this? Um, let's start with a big statement. The greatest final ever. Mm. I mean, it's, it's at least, you know, in the discussion now, you think of the ones that have gone to the last frame, but did they have the tension? Did they have the quality? Did they have the pressure clearances? Did they have the incredible shots we've seen tonight? Did they have the context? I don't think any of them did. For me, that was the greatest world final ever. And if Higgins had won, it would have been the greatest performance ever. Even to get back to the situation he did is up there as one of the greatest performances we've ever seen. Those clearances, I've even lost count of the number of frames tonight he won from 40 or 50 behind. He made a bad start to the final, John, 4-0 mm. down. I mean, neither were playing great in, the, in that opening little, little section. They didn't look like the final had sort of started second half of the first session. He got to 7 all. Last night, so the, the first day, nine seven had a chance to win the last frame, and there was one shot where he's tried to move the, the last red off the cushion, and it seemed to be everyone's down there today saying that was a, a dead set plant. The brown was going in, and it did, and, and that was ten seven rather than nine eight. Yeah, I was sitting right behind that shot in the arena, and I thought, what's he doing here? He can't play that. That's that's bound to go in. But you know, ten seven. Okay, it's a three frame lead in the context of a thirty five frame match. It's, that's not a huge amount. But then, of course, if you make any kind of decent mm. start the next day, then it becomes a big lead. Mm. And his start was more than decent. I mean, those first four frames just went by in a blur this afternoon. Mm. It was just like Williams was in a practice session. Higgins looked very ill at ease, amazingly, for someone who's played in so many world finals. And uh, it just did so well to get back into it. Came out tonight looking like a man possessed. Uh, when he won the first frame, I was thinking back to, to 92. And um, Henry's great comeback against White when he did something similar. Uh, in the first of the night and we know that set the tone and for a lot of tonight it looked like it was going to set a similar tone but then I mean, what can you say about those last few frames one ball away from winning the world championship he misses it comes out in the next frame that brilliant opening red into the middle and off you go basically wins it in one visit I've never seen Mark Williams look so nervous but my god you can totally understand it and he's someone who doesn't show his emotions a lot 
largely because he's not really feeling that many of them. But when he does, he does show it. Uh, you know, when he is feeling them. And uh, we certainly saw it at the end there. But what character to, to hold himself together after that. And as he said himself, even after he'd missed that pink, he just thought to himself, well, look, I'm still playing well here. And he still had two chances. And uh, he only needed one and, and got over the line 18-16. But I'll tell you, he doesn't win dull world finals. <laughs> you think of the three. Miles behind against Stevens, came back to win it. Way in front against Doherty. Got pegged back. Came good at the end. And, well, we've just discussed what happened tonight. That's the thing. The great thing though about this tournament is it is the history. And you know, at one point we were talking about ninety three, nineteen ninety three, because that was the last time anyone with a session to spare. It didn't then take much, as you say, for ninety two to then be mentioned. Yeah, oh, what about yeah, the comeback yeah. tonight? I would say fifteen ten. Most people are fancying Williams to close it out. Higgins just comes out playing sensational stuff. He makes a century first frame, one three one, highest break of the final. Two clearances as well before the interval, and he's almost like he's in front. He's still trailing, but oh, it's yeah. almost like he's playing sensational. And you're thinking, can Mark Williams actually win three frames? Yeah, I mean, it completely felt that way. And when it went 15 all for me, just for a little bit, the tension went out of it because I thought, he's so much on top here, Higgins. Could even go on and win this 18 15. I said mm. that to you at the interval. Mm. And then, of course, again, it turned around. I mean, there were other finals I was thinking of. You know, 2001, mm. um, when O'Sullivan missed a, a very easy ball that would have left Higgins needing two snookers. Higgins came back to win the frame. To win the frame. But O'Sullivan showed the character to then come out and take it in the next frame. And Williams did something very similar tonight. Yeah, and, I mean, an incredible finish. But also, I think what I noticed was like he never changed his shot selection he was so positive even after the blow he missed that pink you think oh that could be like a Willie Thorne blue mm-hmm. or a Steve Davis black one of those or Ken Doherty black one of those balls that you will, you will never forget and never be allowed to forget yeah. but actually next frame good red in break basically it's over we say it about all the great players they know the right shot is the right shot yeah. and whatever the circumstances it's still the right shot yeah and that was what he showed, as you say, uh, t- towards the finish this evening. But, I mean, what we've got to say it again, this is someone who wasn't even here last year. He, as he said, he was in a caravan necking a few beers. And that's what he was doing, because he didn't qualify, didn't co- even come up for the 40 years celebration. Yeah. Just stayed away and was basically finished as a top top player mm. in the real elite bracket who can win the World Championship. You could have seen him carrying on at that stage, you know, either side of the top 16. One of those players is either in or out. And then would probably slip down. That was kind of the path, wasn't it? Yeah. What a turnaround. Yeah, and I think uh, okay. I know we won in Belfast, but Berlin for me was the moment yeah. where I started to think, okay, now this is this is something serious here. He could actually go and win this. And you know, he's won these three ranking events this season. It's not like he's done nothing else. Mm. He's been unbelievably consistent all season. Mm. He was already having a very good season even before Belfast. Now think about this. You're talking about one of the greatest players of all time, who has discovered something this season through working with Sightright and Steve Feeney. Mm. Now that he's got that. There's no reason at all why he won't go on and play just as well next season for yeah. several more seasons to come. Yeah, yeah, you can see the confidence in him and, and his shot. Some of the shots he's played in this tournament have been sensational. And we'll talk about his path. I mean, the first couple of rounds were a little bit non-eventful, I suppose. Beat Jimmy Robertson, beat Robert Milkins. Mm. Had a tough battle with Ali Carter, but pulled away. But, of course, the, the big one was that semi-final. I mean, that was uh, a sort of insane match. It was very high standard early on against Hawkins. And he, Barry was always just kind of holding him off. Mark got level a couple of times. But then towards the end, it was, I'm going to nick Jimmy's phrase, it was Shredsville. Yeah, I mean, incredible tension right at the end. And you know what? I was just thinking back to around about 9 o'clock on Wednesday night. If you think about what we've lived <laughs> through since then, the ridiculous finish of Higgins-Trump, I mean, mm. that was just off the scale. Two great semi-finals, which you almost never get. Some years you don't even get one. And then, as I say, arguably the greatest final ever. Let's make another big statement. 
It's a night for big statements. It is a night for big statements. Mark Williams has certainly made one. <laughs> Think about this. Was this the greatest world championship ever? Because you were saying, I can't remember in one of the million interviews you did today before it even started, people remember the world championship yeah. because of the final, yeah. but also to a lesser extent because of the semis and the quarters as well. I mean, they were just fantastic. I mean, that one quarter final alone between Higgins and Trump made that a great round to remember. Mm. Then the semis and the final as well. But, you know, you might instantly think, well, was it really the greatest ever? But try to think of a better one than that. Well, it's a good segue to go right back to day one, which seems right. a long time ago now, uh, when we started out Saturday, April the 21st, because all the build-up on day one is always about the defending champion. And Mark Selby drew not a rookie who's going to freeze in the headlights. He drew the oldest player, actually, in the tournament. They were talking about 40-something. It's class of 92. Joe Perry would turn pro then. And Joe Perry was always a tough draw, I think, for, for Selby, because he wasn't going to be intimidated by him. And he had the, the, the nous to beat him. And that's what happened. Mark was disappointing, though, in that match. And Selby has struggled in early rounds mm. all season long. And, indeed, he struggled in the first round against Kurt Mafflin. That would yeah. have been one of the big crucible upsets, and it very nearly happened. He would have hated that draw. The moment that came out, I thought, you know, he's really going to hate that draw. And I think the key frame was very early on. You might you probably remember, I think it was the second frame, actually, mm. as early as that, that um, I think Selby looked like he was going to draw level. Perry won it, and just from that moment on, you could see it had an impact. It certainly had an impact on Selby after that. Perry would have gone in absolutely raising his chances, and it was a bit similar, actually, I suppose, to a couple of years ago. Stuart Bingham coming in as defending champion. Who does he draw in the first round? A guy who's been in the final twice. It's a nightmare for a defending champion to draw such an experienced player in the first round, and uh, but a very subdued performance from Selby. Like he just, he just never got into that match at all. But it, for, for whatever reason, it seems to have been a theme all season that most tournaments he's struggled in, in his first couple of matches and you know catches up with you eventually says a lot about him though because it was a disappointing defeat and you know he had every right to leave the country with his family and go on holiday but actually the call came in from Eurosport would you like to come and join our team and he, he just said yes I'd love to because mm. he said well I know he said he was going to sell his TVs and all that but actually he would have been at home watching it so why not be part of it you know, earn a few quid as well and, and be part of it. And he's done really well, actually, in, in, in that studio. It's been mm. good that he's been part of it. Been a bit strange to not see him in the final again, yeah. but, but I, he, that won't be his problem next year. He won't be defending champion. Uh, we had a couple of deciders first round. Of course, Jamie Jones, great win over Sean Murphy. But the one I think everyone remembered was Judd Trump, Chris Wakelin, because, again, they'd both gone at the end. I mean, Wakelin making his debut did so well to take it that far. Trump had gone in the decider. And so much pressure on him as well, even in his own head after losing to Rory McLeod in one of the great upsets last year. And You know, despite what some people have said, he's actually had a pretty good season again. He had a few lows, but only won uh, the one ranking event, but you know, did well in, in quite a few other ones as well. So to then come back to the Crucible, having had another decent season again as one of the front runners, and again go out in the first round would have been a huge blow for him. It's a huge relief for him to, uh, to get over the line. It was one of those great classic sort of late-night Crucible finishes and... Uh, you know, he, Trump never really got going, though, in the whole championship, really. I mean, even when he had a decent lead against Higgins in the quarterfinals, he wouldn't say he was quite at his very best. Um, but, you know, people are writing him off now as a potential winner. I don't think he threw it away against Higgins by any means. I don't think he played quite as well as he would have liked to. And, I mean, you know, he's only 28, yeah. you know, so well, plenty well, of time. Well, based on tonight's evidence, he's got another 15 years. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and counting. And um, someone was saying to us yesterday, you know, you look at guys like Hendry and Doug Sullivan and Higgins and what they've done at that age, but, you know, it's no disgrace not to be up there with the greatest players no. of all time in terms of how quickly you and, do it. And Mark Selby was 30 before he won it. Yeah, so exactly. You, you know, you develop at your own pace. We'll see. I mean, it's kind of in his hands. But I thought that match, I mean, I commentated for, for Eurosport on, on Trump-Wakelin, and like you say, it was just the quintessential... 
crucible thriller, first round thriller as well, where everyone is just desperate to get through. And of course, Trump had in his mind what happened last year. And it, it, it's amazing just how hard the game becomes when everything's on the line because it's the world championship. It comes around once a year. And you need a couple of those in the, in the first round. The problem with long matches, the only problem really with long matches is if it's one sided, there's nothing, no drama. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, Wakeland in that match early on, you know, really seemed to be relishing it. He played fantastic in the early part of that match. Just not quite to, uh, not quite to be again, but just, just, you know, another example of the depth there is now on the circuit and, and the sort of level of performance that players are capable of producing, even over the long distances against the very best players, to take them to that sort of distance. But yeah, you do need matches like that. We used to have some awful matches in the first round. Yeah. Guys who were still in the top 16, having not done much all season, might need to win the match to somehow cling on to the top 16 for another season, mm. and it ends up going to like an unscheduled third session or whatever. You wouldn't put this one in that category, yeah. but there was that uh, bit of tension at the end because they were both struggling to get over the line. Well, we've been going 11 and a half minutes, and this is going to be the first mention of Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah. Um, unless you've mentioned him there. I can't Don't remember now. So, no. um, Only in 2001 context. Made, so. made a great comeback against Steve Maguire, and then the Ali Carter match in the second round. That was kind of the, the highlight of the second round. It got a bit testy, to say the least. There was mm. the shoulder barge and all that, which I think underlined, actually, again, what, you know, what it means to Ronnie O'Sullivan, what it means to everyone in this tournament. You know, this is where everything's on the line, and... Carter got under his skin, I guess. It's the same World Championship every year now, O'Sullivan. He comes in being talked up, he gets involved in some silly controversy, and the first time he finds himself really in a battle with a real top player, uh, he goes at the end of the match. And, I mean, that whole business with the, with, with the, you know, the barge, whatever you want to call it or whatever, I mean, Carter was almost laughing about it. Mm. And, I mean, if, if, that, if I'd been Ali Carter, I would have been thinking, that is a, a player who does not feel comfortable. This is someone whose skin, as you say, have really got under. Mm. And uh, great for Carter to hold his nerve at the end. But another year goes by for O'Sullivan. He still hasn't won. Um, you know, that, that additional world title that he looked like he was going to win four years ago against Mark Selby. And I've said it a million times, I still don't think he's got that out of his system. And he won't until he wins another world title. And of course, it's going to be hard to do that until he gets it out of his system. So it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a catch-22 for him. It's almost like he needs to... I mean, it's a strange psychology. It's almost like he needs to do what Mark's done, which is basically fade away a bit. Mm. Not come in winning five tournaments, yeah. but not be considered actually you know, one of the favourites. I mean, it's going to be very hard for him not to be, obviously, because he's Ronnie yeah. O'Sullivan. I think Ali Carter made that great clearance towards the end, which also made a, made a big difference after all the aggro had gone on. Mm. But what's interesting is you look at, since that Selby defeat, the players O'Sullivan's lost to, it's players he's always beaten before. Yeah. He's always beaten Bingham. He'd always beaten Hawkins, he'd always beaten Ding, yeah. and he's always, literally always beaten yeah. Alicard to 13-0. So uh, that's kind of an interesting pattern. Um, again, he, he, his defeat was Eurosports going because he came and did some commentary, and that was a fantastic experience for me to, to sit next to him and oh, yeah. just listen to his insight. You know, and he, he, really, he was very much of the view in the final that Williams was the favourite. He said that Mark Williams is confident in his game and John Higgins underneath isn't, or wasn't completely confident with it. And... He was right, I and mean, patches in the final where you could see Higgins wasn't confident. It would be interesting to get right inside O'Sullivan's head. I know you did a little bit. How does it feel for him, I wonder, <laughs> to be sitting there watching well, he said, his yeah. contemporaries in the world final? Well, he said something, which I hope he doesn't mind me sharing when we were off mic. Not about that, but about actually the Crucible. He said, he said wow, he said, this is an amazing venue, isn't it? He was looking at it. He said, I've never seen it from this position, because mm. obviously he's only ever seen it from the floor, playing, where you see the cameraman and you see the sort of stuff that the viewers are not supposed to see. But seeing it from the commentary box, looking down at the table and looking at the, the, the twinkle lights and the seats and the audience, mm -hmm. 
he just said this is this is fantastic and of course yeah it, it is obviously but maybe it ne- he needed to see it from a sort of neutral perspective I heard someone describe it this year I'd never heard it described this way before the pit mm. you know and that's what it is and particularly from that commentary mm. position when you're looking down I'd never thought of it that way mm. before but it's a very good way to describe it mm. Well, from the, I was going to say from the pit to the pits, but that's a bit <laughs> unkind for Ding, who uh, who started so brightly. Looked, yeah. I mean, against Anthony McGill, he was sensational. That eight nil session, one of the best sessions of the tournament. But then against Barry Hawkins, when he went a few behind, he just faded badly. Yeah, you don't unless you're one of the you know players who's won it before. Maybe you don't win the world championship by playing great in the early rounds and carrying that no. through. Like I even think of John actually, John Higgins, two thousand and two. First couple of rounds, I think he lost three frames every time he came to the table. It felt like he was making a frame winning break. Then went out and played Matthew Stevens in the quarters and just completely fell apart. It was very strange that Ding quarter final. He just was so subdued, not performing at all. Was it a fact that he was going into the quarterfinals as favourite? Possibly, to be, yeah. be the favourite at I such an early stage? Actually, yeah, yeah. I think that weighed heavily on him. And of course, that's different for him than anybody else because he's got the weight of the world's most populous nation yeah. on his shoulders. I mean, how massive would it be mm. if he was to win a world title? Mm. And of course, he's still by far and away the best yeah. and most successful Chinese player. It looked to me like that was weighing on his, on, on his mind a lot. Um, but time, time's going by from, you know, he's 31 yeah. now, I think. Um, still got plenty of years, but, you know, every year he comes here as a contender and doesn't win it, the pressure on him and his own head builds up a little more. Yeah. What was interesting about the quarterfinals, you know, we'd lost... Selwyn O'Sullivan, which a lot of people were saying, will they make in the final? Well, they didn't get the courses. Mm. But actually, all the quarter-finalists were established players. They'd all won tournaments. They're all contenders, really. Mm. Now, on this podcast, when our preview about a month ago now, <laughs> your tip was Judd Trump. And he played well against John Higgins. And in, in the end, I mean, he made that great clearance Trump for 12 each, having, having lost three on the spin. In the end... He was a little unlucky. He didn't really get a clear chance in the decider. No, he didn't. And he took on one outrageous shot, which looked a bit reckless, but I don't actually think in the context it was. I don't think he'd pushed out the boat too far. You know, it's one thing to be someone who can play your normal game under a lot of pressure. Higgins is a step beyond that. He actually seems to find an even better game uh, when the pressure is at its most intense. And it was one of those situations, the wall was up, it was like a one-table scenario, all of the eyes of the crucible on you. He seemed to absolutely relish it. And, I mean, the way he closed out that match, you have to give him the most immense credit. I mean, he just kept coming back, even when he was 7-3 down. The way he responded was absolutely Well, yeah, he lost lost two frames in the match on the black that were basically killer blows, or, or supposed to be in the narrative. Sort of script that we that we're supposed to follow, but actually yeah. both times he turned it around off the back of it. Yeah, which, just kept hanging in. Yeah, which you're not supposed to do. So your tip was Trump. Mine was Barry Hawkins, and that was looking good um, for a long well, time. Well, I fancied him as well. I yeah. actually backed him at twenty-eight yeah. to one. But in the end, he faded really badly in that very nervy end to the semi-final. Yeah, I mean he'll be sick about this. He really will because he's been in other semi-finals and been beaten really heavily. This was not one of them. How has he lost that match in the last session? Some of the balls he was missing and the chances he had. You know, I think we all have a mental list of people we see as potential world champions. I think we're all maybe mentally striking Barry off that list now. It'd be great if he wanted. He's such a great guy. But um, he was put to the ultimate test in the Crucible on Saturday night and he, he wasn't up to it. It was as simple as that in the end. Yeah, Barry is a great guy. But I was a little bit kind of, I suppose, concerned when he did the interview immediately on Eurosport, which great for him to come on 
and he was very kind of he wasn't gutted in the way that he, I can't speak you know yeah. he yeah. actually was very professional actually and spoke well but in a way he almost wished he, he it hurt more I don't know it was it was kind of I think he towards the end he he was just resigned to maybe maybe not winning the match and like you say I mean he's got through a lot of the the, the to the one table five out of the last six years yeah. but only one win in a semi final. He always looks like he's half expecting to lose, or that he doesn't really believe. Mm. You know, and when it goes wrong, and when he plays a key shot badly, he's like he's kind of he gives this little smile that suggests, mm. "Well, look, it's only me. Of course, it's going to happen." But you see him play when you you, know, you think of the World Grand Prix final last year, which he almost managed to throw away. It's like, why should you feel like that? Because he's such a good player, and he's always talked about as being so underrated. <laughs> well, as you pointed out, he's been underrated. By the people who are saying that he's yeah. underrated, I think yeah. What what I said as well was that I don't think he's underrated. He's understated. You know, he, yeah. he's not, he's not yeah. a showy player in any way. He's a very nice guy, professional, and gets the job done. But on this occasion, didn't he's a little bit becoming snooker's Tim Henman. You know, <laughs> unlike Tim Henman, he, he did actually get to a final yes. once. But there's a little bit of that about maybe, him. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. maybe. But the other semi finalist, uh, Corin Wilson. Who, yeah, I mean he, I think he could be very proud of his performance, and and I think. The opposite with him, he was very disappointed to lose. Um, but in a way, it was the start against Higgins. He never quite got on level terms, did he? It was completely the start, and he actually said that afterwards. He went 4 1 down, wasn't it? Yeah. Had a great chance to get back to 4 all, missed a simple red, and then played a bad safety later on. And as he said himself, you know, he matched Higgins after that all the way, but he pinpointed that as the finish. But we, I think we said that in the preview. You know, we called Carvin and Barry two nice guys, mm. but very different one of them lacks the belief the yeah. other one's got all the belief yeah, yeah. in the world yeah, and yeah. that's very much the case yeah. with Kyron Wilson yeah. and uh, rightly so but you know he's building towards it two quarter finals you know now a semi-final uh, it's a bit like Mark Williams I mean he did the same got to a semi in 98 final mm. in 99 then won it in 2000 you know he looks like to me like someone who definitely could, could win it in years to come and uh, it's, been, it's actually been a really really good season um, as he said himself he was a bit frustrated that there was no silverware to show for him at the end but you have to think it won't be long now but before there is but uh, another great semi-final and you know again credit to Higgins there were patches in that match where he wasn't playing well at all but he managed to get through them and then much like the quarter-final against Trump he really did produce his best at the end and made two big breaks to finish it off in the last two frames which left us with the first ever or 40-something Crucible final mm. the oldest final combined age 85 but you know, they're not just a couple of old geezers, it's John Higgins and Mark Williams. And they both had good seasons, so in a way it shouldn't be a huge shock that, you know, that they've made it through. Maybe the fact they both made it through was the surprise. People have tried to find some sort of you know, yeah. deep reason yeah. why this is happening at this age, you know. Yeah. But it's very simple. They are just such good players, and the players that have come through are not of the same quality as yeah, them exactly. on an ongoing basis. And um, I, I think they're going to be around for years to come. I remember Phil Yates saying in, here... In 2000, <laughs> the top players will still be top players in five years' time. Mm. That's 18 years ago now. And look, two of them have just played in the world final. They've won about half the season's ranking titles between them. I still think this could be the shape of things to come for, for, for a few more years. I mean, Higgins, I think, in a sense, is almost energised by this final, even though he's lost it by just how well he played. Sullivan has won five ranking events. He'd never done that before. And Williams, if he's got his shirt back on now, you know, will be sitting there thinking... You know, I'm world champion again. Why can't I go on and do much more of this? And he even mentioned it in the arena afterwards that he's already looking forward to next uh, next season. And I'll say this as well about the two of them. There's nothing affected about them. They are who they oh, are. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, we both, our first world championship that we covered was 1998, yeah. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. John Higgins was the winner there. Mark Williams nearly got to the final. Obviously won it two years after. They've never really changed. They're both very down to earth. We had a drink with Mark at the, at the championship mm-hmm. league. You know, there was no kind of distance between us because we're journalists and he's a he's a supposed star. He didn't see himself as a star. And what I, what I thought as well was, I think sometimes, you know, the TV directors get a bit carried away cutting to the families and all that. But actually, I was thinking about when John won it the first time and he broke down in tears at the end because his parents were in, in mm. the audience. Now he's a parent yeah. and his children are there. Same for Mark. And you saw his son grab the microphone at the end as well and, and was talking about you know his dad. Just nice, you know, just a nice down-to-earth couple of people who, who put on a great show for everyone. Yeah, I, I, and I love the way he, he, he's very unfiltered. Mm. He's about as unfiltered as you can possibly get away with. Mm. And I mean, that's such an antidote to oh, yeah. you know the yeah. way the modern world has yeah. become. He doesn't set out to offend anyone. No. He's not remotely. He's no, it's not an ounce of malice in him at all. But he, you know, he hasn't changed, as you say, who he is. He doesn't feel, oh, I better say the right things. No. I better say the, the polished things. He just says what comes into his head. Yeah. And it's just, it's so refreshing, actually. And John, to an extent, is much the same. Just such an ordinary, down-to-earth guy. But if you say you win Wimbledon or the Open or something, yeah. then it, you have a script, basically, that you've already been given. You thank so-and-so, so-and-so, your coach, your caddy, whatever, the sponsors mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a row. Mark thanked Ron Skinner and Sons, which has been his long-time sponsor. Ron Skinner passed away earlier this year. His son... He's now running the company, and you could see it was from the heart. I mean, Mark. It takes a lot for Mark to get emotional, but he, he actually was doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what can you what can you say to add to that? Uh, just just the sheer ordinariness of them, and indeed of you know so many of the very top players. One or two maybe can be a little bit aloof, but you know this game will bring you down pretty fast, and it certainly brought Mark Williams down a number of times over the years. But uh, I think the fact that you know he is so normal helped him to just kind of get through the, the more difficult times and. He's always treated it as just a game. He said, look, the worst thing that can happen yeah. is I lose, yeah. and that doesn't seem too bad. He's, he's said that a number of times. But yeah, and you know, you're talking about his family as well, we have to mention his wife, Jo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. She was quite ill for a lot of the yeah. season, you know, yeah. when Mark was actually you know, playing so well and in a lot of finals and things. So what a way for it all to, uh, to finish at the end of the campaign. And as if all that drama wasn't enough, he, he'd said earlier in the tournament, if he wins the World Championship, he'll do the press conference afterwards naked. And it became a bit of a joke, and then all of a sudden... He's about to win it, and yeah. Mark's probably the only player who would actually go through this. So he turns up, he got a towel on, I should say, mm. which he then took off as he, yeah. as he got behind the desk. I mean, it was all a little bit odd. Um, Barry Hearn was absolutely loving it, of course. Of course he stood he was. at the back of the room. Uh, but again, it was like that's not something that he's contrived to be, to be a thing. He's just said it casually, and then he's thought, well, I'll have to follow through with it. Look, it's going to be fascinating to see tomorrow. Yeah. You know, all those photographers came rushing oh, in. Oh, yeah, it was a scrum. I've never seen anything like that I before. I couldn't get enough yeah. of it, you know. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of 2001 with um, Paul Hunter at the Masters when he made the whole Plan yeah. B comments and that. And I think that was on the front page of yeah. some of the papers. I'm going to be interested to see tomorrow. Yeah, That could be on the front page of some yeah. of the papers. And it's yeah. just going to add to this, you know, huge vibe that snooker is, you know, really thriving again in the public eye. You know, we saw the queues outside for yeah. tickets. People, you know, sleeping out overnight yeah. outside the crucible. It's just all part of that great sort of, you know, cycle that you know that, that's going on at the moment. That's that's really getting snooker, you know, to a, a kind of level of profile among the general public that I don't think it's had for maybe twenty years. Yeah, and it's true as well here in Sheffield because it seems to me the championship be sort of seeping further and further into the city. You know, mm. when we first started coming here. It was sort of the crucible, really, and that was kind of it. Yeah. Maybe some of the pubs nearby. But now, I mean, you, I got off the train, they got all the banners up, the Betfred banners, you know, in the Tudor Square outside the crucible, they've got the big screen. People have been a lovely couple of days here, people have been having a few beers watching who couldn't get tickets. And everywhere you go, 
it's like a snooker festival place. And it's a, if you're a fan, we've just met a Canadian, didn't we, tonight? Yeah. Who just came over and said hello. Yeah. Who's here for the first time. Alan McManus got him tickets last night. And just you could see the wonder in his eyes. He said he's used his life savings yeah. to come here. But look, we, you know, as you say, it's 20 years ago we first covered this championship. We've said for so long that it never made enough of itself. Mm, yeah. And finally now it is. And it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. So I think we both agree in the end it was a great championship, a great climax yeah. to the championship. Let's very briefly look back at the season because, of mm. course, so much has happened. We've seen... I mean, the story, really, is the three of them. The, the Holy yeah, Trinity, the Class of 92, the Triumvirate, call them what you like, Ronnie, John and Mark have won half the ranking events, including the two big ones, the World and the UK Championship. And, like you say, there's no reason why they can't continue. Yeah, I mean, th- there were so many trends, actually, I noticed this season. There were a lot of matches where they were really one-sided. I think O'Sullivan had one match he played a best of seven. I can't remember who he was playing, but whoever it was... His highest break was five. <laughs> we also saw a lot of matches where players played really well and still got beaten. Neil Robertson seemed to play most of them. You think of the, of the Welsh. They're a couple of trends yeah, from the season. Um, another one I noticed, actually, there are a lot of matches now where you see one player who was a pro before the other one was <laughs> even born. I can think of at least two matches this season where one of the players had been world champion mm. before the other was yeah. even born. So you still have those that older generation, You know, obviously the guys we've spoken about, but also the likes of... You know, Joe Perry, Stuart Bingham, let Mark Davis, maybe to a lesser extent, have been around for a long time. And then you have these young guys, mostly coming through from China. That's been another trend this season. You know, the, the depth now, the number of Chinese players who we've seen have a good tournament or a number of good tournaments, that's going to be something that will be fascinating to see as time goes on. But when we look back on this season, there's no question what we will look back on is these three great warriors who've been around for so long, three of the greatest players of all time, who all just suddenly raise their games again and um, you know reach even greater heights? Yeah, and they all continue to contribute to the the soap opera, if you like, the, the entertainment that Stuka provides, and never more so than at this World Championship. Every time you hear, you're reminded this really is the proper stuff. There's, mm. I heard talk about oh the matches are too long and all the rest of it. Well, you know what? It's the World Championship. They're supposed to be long. It's supposed to be tough. And Mark Williams has climbed climbed several mountains to become champion again for the third time and we're about to go off and hopefully have a drink with him and, and congratulate him and celebrate with everybody else that's it for the podcast for another year uh, hopefully we will return later in the year um, thank you for listening but that is it for now and congratulations once again to Mark Williams naked or not he's the world champion Sports Social Podcast Network It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash Life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.